Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. It's a game day edition. Happy Sunday to every. It's week six here in the NFL. And myself, Mike Blewett. Scott Engel and Jim Day are going to take you around the world of fantasy and try to get you all set for winning yet another week of your matchups versus your opponent. We'll talk uh, the things that we usually talk about. We're going to talk about Scott's rankings. We'll talk about DFS plays uh, and even some logistical issues that Jim and Scott and I discussed before the show. So first, uh, I'd like to bring in my first uh, compadre, and that is Scott Engel. You can find him on Twitter at Scott E. RotoX. Scott is the managing director of Roto Experts, and we generally take these two hours to go through his rankings for the week. So, Scotty, first of all, welcome to the show. Good morning, and uh, thanks, and glad to be here as always. Uh, my updated ranks are now available on rotoexperts.com, and they now include uh, flex, flex spots as well uh, by popular demand. So there you go. And uh, Jim Day is our other comp- uh, compadre. He is at Fantasy Taz on Twitter. That's T-A-Z at the end. And Jim, uh, you and I are talking a little bit about flex plays before the show started. Bunch of good matchups today. Some high pro- some high octane style matchups between the Pats and Chiefs tonight and the Falcons and Bucks early. But you made a point about uh, just might as well kick off the show talking about that, how people need to be mindful of how they are setting their lineups going into the week, starting on Thursdays. Well, good morning, guys. And, uh, you know, Sunday morning is always a lot of fun. But, yeah, definitely I had this come up uh, in my Facebook group this past Thursday. And a lot of people asking who should they start in their flex on a Thursday night game. And, you know, I keep trying to tell people this, and and I'm going to shout it to the rooftops until you listen to me. Don't use your flex spot on a Thursday night. It really inhibits what you can do on Sunday and Monday night. So, yeah, I'll give you a perfect example. Last week I had a guy ask me if he should start Corey Clement at his running back, uh, at his flex spot. Um, So when I looked at his lineup, he had Clement at his flex, but he had uh, Dalvin Cook in his running back slot. So, you know, by the time I got to him, it was a little too late. He had already started Clement. So I tried to explain to him why that's not a smart move. By starting Clement in your flex spot and Cook is your running back too, what happens is if Cook doesn't go now, you're locked into starting another running back too 
uh, in place. If he had put Clement in the running back two spot and Cook in the flex, if Cook doesn't go or is limited or you're worried, you can play any other player, any other position. You're not limited to just running backs. Never use your flex position on a Thursday night. Save it for Sunday, Monday night if you need to. You know, gives you a little bit more flexibility, especially this week when we have you know two good wide receivers, Cobb and Allison, going to be game time decisions on Monday night. If you still had that flex spot, it gives you a little bit more flexibility on trying to play one of those guys on, on Monday night if you have another player. Totally Just to add some more color to what Jim is saying, you know, if you have, like, you know, in my I, one of my leagues I have two running backs and a flex, and, you know, my third flex is, like, Robert Woods, and he's better than anybody else I have. You know, that's a situation where you do. What he means is, you know, if you're looking at, like, a questionable sort of situation, you want to save your flex spot, not your running back a wide receiver spot. But there are situations where, you know, your flex is pretty much locked in every week because you have a stacked lineup. Yeah, so I, I figured we'd kick it off the show. I, I think it's a good tip. And some of you out there listening are saying, what are you talking about? Obviously, you wouldn't do that. But we're just saying that we come across a lot of different things, and – we can't assume that it's just this one guy on social media that's making this mistake. I, Dean Martinez and I, who I host the weekly uh, weekday show with, we came across the same situation like two weeks ago. So we just want to make sure everybody knows that you're not hindering yourself on the flexibility of your roster uh, by starting guys prematurely. Just if you felt good about Corey Clement and you ran your numbers and you got your opinions, you put him in the running back spot and then leave yourself open for uh, the other stuff. So, with that being said, the Thursday night game, just to give it a quick mention, no, Jim Day, no, I, I'm sorry really to do this. To. No, no, we don't. <laughs> we don't have to. I'm sorry to do this. We're not going to belabor it. But the combination of losing on a 63-yard field goal right into an absolutely dismal performance, even the of which you are not one, but even the most ardent Eli apologists have to feel like the party's over. Look, uh, you know I don't like Eli. He, he everybody's drinking at 8 in the morning because they're talking about the guy. Yeah, the ice is clinking around in that cocktail glass a little <laughs> <Yeah>. early. <laughs> uh, you know I don't like Eli, but I'm not putting all the blame on Eli in this one. Every time he, st- he dropped back, he was getting hit. Uh, Eagles in his face every single time. So I'm not putting all the blame on him. The, the entire team outside of Saquon Barkley and Landon Collins played terribly. Every aspect of it, everywhere across the board. So, you know, I'm ready. I, you know, absolutely. Let, let's give the kid a shot. Let's get Eli out of here. Let's see what the kid can do behind this offensive line. At least he can move a little bit. Gives them a little bit more flexibility. So I, I'm ready for that that change. But I'm not putting it all on Eli that game anyway. The 63-yard field goal you, you mentioned, I don't mind losing that way. I mean, you're talking about a length of a field goal that's only been you know done a couple of times in the NFL. If you're going to lose, you know, lose to a masterful performance like that, a 63-yarder didn't bother me at all. The, what was funny is that you you sent a note in our group chat that we do for this show so we can communicate uh, with one another over the course of it. And as like seconds after the field goal was hit, you just typed – just shoot me in the head. <laughs> I, I hadn't seen it live, so I started laughing and ran like upstairs to check out the TV and saw it. And I just I thought it was just perfect timing. It was the ultimate uh, commentary from an, uh, a big time Giants I, I think, fan. I think Giant fans do have to put things in perspective, though. Like 
okay, you hate Eli now. Uh, you know, the offensive line is part of the issue, too. They don't give him enough time to throw. But, you know, the guy did win two Super Bowls. You know, when I hear Giant fans say, oh, that that Phillip Rivers, Eli did win two Super Bowls. He got two trophies. Every quarterback has his up and down, ups and downs. I mean, you can't take him away. Yeah, but the, see, the problem with Eli uh, he is just got, he just lit the candle, every other Scott. Week. He just lit the candle. I knew it. As two, soon as you two said Super Bowls. That. Ask a Lions fan if they would like to have two Super Bowls. It's, this is I a, don't care. With, this with is the, a really the long debate. He's had around him. He should have won more. He never won a playoff oh, game outside of those now. two seasons. There are, there are a lot of teams that haven't won two Super Bowls. Period. That they've even made a Super Bowl. Don't be greedy. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I I could tell this could Rivers be a two-hour show. Four. Yeah. This could no, be a two-hour show. The guys so. never won a big game. So let me get let me put the train <laughs> back on the tracks because I wanted to ask you, Scott, specifically about the Eagles. And I actually thought Wentz. Despite being pressured, actually, the Giants did get some pressure on him. What was really noticeable was there there were some uh, stats thrown out over Twitter, social media, over the, the day after the game and how the two quarterbacks performed under pressure. And Wentz was particularly good despite getting hit a bunch. Uh, he looked good. He had the three touchdowns. Alshon Jeffrey obviously comes back onto the fantasy scene in a big way. Uh, so your thoughts really about how the Eagles looked. This is a funky division, but... Maybe if the Eagles start to get some guys healthy, they healthier, they can be the class of the division again. Yeah, it's not saying a whole lot, yeah. you know, looking at that division. But yeah, and uh, from a fantasy perspective, uh, you got to remember. I always say it: if you're down like 27 points because the other guy had Dolphins, Alshon Jeffrey, it doesn't matter. One of your players can match that easily. Don't don't get too high or too low because of what happened on Thursday night. It's one player and one game, and it just happened earlier than the other games. You know, we get questions all the time. I need upside because I face Jeffrey. No, you don't. Just play your play your best. He, he's like a coach, Jim. He's just using platitudes and <laughs> <laughs> platitudes to make sure everybody stays positive despite a what might have been a rough first game for people. So. Uh, look, I don't want to bury the lead. Just against the world. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly right. If we, didn't, if, if we lose, it's not because they were better than us. It's because we ran out of time. You ever use that one? So, uh, re- No, if we lose, it's because they were lucky, and yeah. live scoring is unofficial. <laughs> oh, I won two games last week. It's funny that you mentioned that as a quick aside. I won two games last week, one by .3 and one by .2. That might happen once a year. It happened to me twice in the same week, and I won both of them. It's just I'm just telling you, I've been saying this every week. I've done really well at the beginning of the season. I just feel like the luck is going to run out. That's extremely lucky for that to happen. And I was waiting for a scoring correction on at least one of them, and it didn't happen. So uh, it was funny that you mentioned that. Uh, last thing on that game, just because he was so good, Jim, is Saquon Barkley. You can complain about the line in terms of Eli, but <laughs> and they may not even be doing a good job of run blocking, but he's so good, and his ability to break tackles and run past people and by people and go off into the distance. Don't forget over people. Yeah. <laughs> it was an amazing performance. Even as bad as the Giants looked, he is he, he's so clearly – an elitely talented running back that he was able to display at 229 scrimmage yards and the score with nine catches. 
No, absolutely. He looked outstanding. And, you know, I, I don't care. Everybody complaining that the Giants didn't take a quarterback with their number two pick. I'm glad they took Barkley. It's been a long time since we had a stud running back that we can count on each and every week. And, you know, it's definitely what he's showing. He is that guy. And I'm just hoping he doesn't hang out too often with the two crybaby wide receivers oh. we have. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he, he stays on a good mental plane and away from those idiots. Yeah. So um, I, I... wide receivers are always divas and cry babies or whatever you know I, I don't care what he does i you don't want odell beckham you know trade him to seattle i'd love to have him yeah the only hey, thing I, i'll say I, though i i'll be ready to trade him at this point i'm tired of whining guys i i hate players like that but look it's not even that i'm talking about you know they could easily get into barkley's head about how I bad totally agree with and this. make him feel bad I, yeah, so I, I don't like that idea. Scott, the one thing I'll say, yeah, and I don't, make a, I don't want to do a whole show on this, but I, the one thing I'll say is it is obvious that Sterling Shepard has taken his lead from someone. He wasn't doing this early in his career. And now that the other guys can get away, <laughs> now that guys know that Odell gets away with it, one or two other guys might try it too. And you just don't really want that to be the case. Ultimately, I'm well, with you that they five. should keep They're one in five. They're openly displaying how they feel. They're pissed off. They're frustrated. So is everybody else on a bad team. Well, They're the not throwing garbage to... cans and punching, yeah, in that team. <laughs> punching benches. You can get hurt doing stuff yeah, like really. that. It's really We're stupid. Fans. It's funny because in, in, ba- in baseball, when Paul O'Neill used to do it, everybody said, oh, he's such a competitor. You know, but if if the Giants were five and one, nobody would be bitching about this. The Yankees were in the midst of winning a multiple one, World Series. would be punching fans. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, right. And the Yankees won multiple World Series. Right? So I mean, <laughs> they, there is a difference to that, displaying that kind of behavior. You know, there was a guy in baseball named Carlos Zambrano that every time somebody made an error, he would throw a water cooler, and he found himself out of the league. Yeah, it's, it's all the same thing. O'Neill Zambrano, Odell Beckham Jr. And people view it in different perspectives based on the record. Uh, I, I, you may be right, but. Uh, I just worry about it rubbing off on certain players. It's the same concern that Jim has. So let me uh, let's get off the Thursday night game. It, it, there's a lot to talk about there, clearly. But <laughs> you brought it up. I did. I did. It's my own fault. But uh, we'll 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 talk about uh, week six. So uh, two bye weeks this week. You should know that Lions and Saints. Obviously, very impactful lineups. Both quarterbacks, three running backs, many wide receivers, uh, maybe even a tight end in there that have been valuable. So uh, to those of you that were asleep at the wheel for the last six days or so, we're letting you know. Lions, Saints, you got to replace those guys. Uh, as far as weather is concerned, it feels like fall. I mean, I left my house this morning. It was in the 40s. So uh, as far as that kind of weather concern, we got a few dome games Temperatures have noticeably dropped, except in Miami, where it's going to be 87 and humid. I wonder if that impacts the Bears at all. Uh, the biggest weather game that you should know about, uh, or there's two, really. One is tomorrow night, Niners at Packers. It's going to be 38 degrees at game time. But a big one is the L.A. Rams traveling to Denver, Scott. 24 degrees right now with flurries expected. That is a massive change from, from the manner in which anybody has played football this year. And for it to be an L.A. team is even more shocking, despite the fact that they're 5-0. and Yeah, but we can't go crazy about this. I talk about this at weather. 
you know, unless the winds are 15 miles an hour or more, it's not going to affect the passing game in a major way. Uh, the winds are calling for 10 miles an hour with snow flurries. And a lot of times in snow, the offense actually has an advantage because, you know, the defense has to be disciplined and the offense, the offensive players, you know, can juke and cut and the defensive players can actually slip. So it's actually sometimes it's an advantage for the offense. And just because, you know, the, the Rams – you know, are the L.A. Rams doesn't mean these guys haven't played in cold weather before. You know, they're professionals. You know, there's guys who went to college and cold and high school in cold weather cities. So, it, like I said, with the rain last week that was expected with the Kansas City game, you can't overrate the weather. Wind is the real big factor, and there's only 10 miles an hour of wind in the forecast. So I would I wouldn't bench anybody based on this. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to bench any Rams, period, Jim, but it is a shock to the system where they're probably playing in weather that's, you know, anywhere from 30 to 50 degrees colder than what they've been playing in so far. Yeah, no, it is, and I like Scott's point is, you know, this could actually benefit the offenses, I agree. You know, defenses have to be reactionary no matter how good or disciplined they are. They have to be reactionary, and it's always hard to be reactionary on a slippery surface as in than it is to take the you know first action good stuff so we're going to come back right into scott's rankings which you can find on rotoexperts.com in the exclusive edge package we're going to do quarterbacks next we'll get through the injuries as we go but we'll do quarterbacks next it's fantasy sports today the game day edition on the fantasy sports radio network like a great pass rusher, the Roto Experts will help you sack your fantasy football competition. When you register for their exclusive edge fantasy package, you get a cheat sheet generator plus a player database with sortable projections and rankings from the best in the business. And you can join the fantasy conversation in the 24-7 Slack chat channel. Visit rotoexperts.com to register for the exclusive edge fantasy package and enter the promo code FNTSY and you get a 10% discount. That's the rotoexperts.com exclusive edge fantasy football package promo code FNTSY. John Angle, going old school. John Angle producing brilliantly as always. You know, you, you know, if you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports but are sick of dealing with pros using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try that prop, try the props builder tool at mybookie.ag. So forget having to create multiple lineups and ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account, Using the promo code FNTSY, you can receive a 50% deposit bonus. There's no more dealing with late lineup scratches and no experts to compete against. It's just you and the prop that you choose. So go to mybookie.ag, enter promo code FNTSY upon sign-up, and choose your matchups using the Props Builder Tool. Props Builder Tool. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. So here with my main men, uh, Scott and Jim, uh, trying to get you ready. Uh, for by the way, again, if you want to hit us up today, it's at Mike Blewett, at Scott E Roto X, and at Fantasy Taz, and uh, on the main handle at FNTSY Radio. I'll open up the phone lines in the second hour, but we've got to get through Scott's rankings, all the injuries, uh, and all that good stuff. So uh, let's get started. Uh, would be smart if I opened up the link that I was going to read from, but uh, you know, uh, you can't, Scott. You can't pitch perfect yeah. games, like sort of like Curt, Clayton Kershaw. No. Some guys are good during the regular season. Some guys, when the lights are on. It doesn't doesn't always work out the way you want it to. So, 
Uh, let's see. There we go. And I'm going to quarterbacks. Uh, there we go. I think I got it finally. I just got so fired up about the Giants-Eagles thing. I forgot to click open up my links. So Pat Mahomes in at number one. Uh, no surprise there. He and, uh, He's going up against New England in a game with an extremely high total, up around 59 and a half at last check. Jim, correct me if I'm wrong on any of these totals or spreads. So 59 and a half on that total. Mahomes comes in at number one. Aaron Rodgers at number two. Uh, they're a 10-point favorite at home in Green Bay tomorrow night. And Tom Brady at number three. Scott, I'll just ask you right off the bat, uh, particular reason that you went Mahomes over Brady. Both guys obviously in tremendous uh, setups here. Uh, you, you know, obviously Mahomes is the number one quarterback in fantasy football, but I think uh, when when splitting hairs on those top three, you know, I think there's a chance that you know, as long as Tony Michelle's okay with the with the knee tonight, uh, that that the uh, that the Patriots are very game plan specific, and they might lean more on the running game and the running backs tonight a little bit more just to control time of possession. Yeah, as far as injuries are there, we got a bunch of questionable guys. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll get back to that later. So Matt Ryan comes in at number four, another game with a very high total. Uh, they're playing Tampa Bay. Kirk Cousins uh, at number five. Jared Goff comes in at number six. To Scott's point, not really worried about the weather there at all. Andrew Luck coming in at number seven. I'm actually going to that game today. It's been a while since I've been to an NFL game, uh, and I'm going to that Jets-Colts game. Don't, don't. I know what both of you are thinking. Why would you pick that game to go to? Well, I just got tickets to this one, and I got a bunch of friends getting together, and I got a good setup over there. So uh, I'm looking forward to headed to a game for the first time in a long time. Andrew Luck at number seven. Jameis Winston comes back, Jim, and I'll, I'll pause there. James Winston, Jameis Winston comes back to his full-time starter here. Fitzmagic is over, and he gets started against Atlanta in a team – which is against a team that has had really significant injuries impact their team thus far. They're down three defensive starters for the year, and they've been down even more beyond that on a week-to-week basis. So give me your thoughts about Jameis stepping in here against Atlanta in the Dome in Georgia. Well, they're actually down five key starters on this defense right now. So, uh, yeah, this defense is hurting across the board. There's no doubt about it. Uh, They've been giving up tons of points to every position except tight ends, but they haven't really faced uh, many big tight ends on the season so far. So, I, you know, I expect uh, Jameis Winston to have a good game, but, uh, I, you know, this could be a shootout. This is right now raining at a, over and under 57 points, implied point total of 27 for Tampa Bay and 30 for Atlanta. So they're expecting big numbers here for both sides of the ball. Uh, Atlanta needs this game to fight back at one and four. They're really on the outskirts of trying to get back into the playoffs. So they need this game at home. So I expect them to play big Tampa Bay chem- coming off the bye week gives an extra week for Winston to prepare. I like Winston's call this week. Uh, you know, he's a guy that I like heavily in DFS just because of the, uh, the price tag alone. The Jim's point, uh, they've already lost Dion. Uh, Dion Jones on IR with a chance to return, but they've already lost Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen for the year in this game. Grady Jarrett and Derek Shelby are out for the Falcons. So it is a complete mash unit in Atlanta. It's why their total game, their totals in their games are pushing up and up and up every week, or at least remaining consistently high. Uh, Scott, last time these two teams played, Jameis went 27 of 35 for 299 and three scores of 130 rating. So these teams have been in these types of scenarios before where they're playing shootout style. 
Yeah, certainly. And, uh, you, you know, Winston has no running game. He has a defense that's going to force him to go with a lot of volume. Uh, I do have three spots outside the experts' consensus only because, you know, Jameis Winston does have a little Blake Bortles in him and t- at times when oh, yeah. the matchup seems good. You know, he could, you know, roll over and die. So, you know, I'm not going to start Jameis Winston over, say, Matt Ryan or, or you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers or something like that. You can't – matchups are used to dictate uh, – dictate uh decisions between similarly ranked players or within the same range. You know, I can't I can't bench a top quarterback for James Winston based on matchup alone. Yeah, I think that's fair. No, and, and wait, go oh, ahead, I'm Jim. sorry, Mike. I that's didn't right. mean to cut you off, but this is a great great uh way to get into this. I mean, like last week, Matt Ryan had such a great matchup, looked like such a clear-cut play and it just didn't happen. So, you know, it, sometimes even you know, matchups alone don't dictate how a game is going to flow no matter what it looks like on paper. So, to, to Scott's point, you're not going to rank him above that. But you're playing DFS today. James is the top play. That's just uh, that's all there is to it. I don't think you need to – I don't need to get cute. Matt Ryan is the top projection but based on value, especially on DraftKings. I think James is going to be the chalk. So, keep that in mind if you're playing DFS today. Uh, really good value there. Now, I, can I get Scott's thoughts on Rodgers? Look, I, I'm a little concerned with Rodgers because, uh, you know, we we know he had the, the great game last week and everybody who was doubting him last week got, you know, totally blown over by not playing him in a game it looked like. But he was using that lighter brace last week. In the three games before, he had had to use that heavier brace. And his numbers were rather pedestrian. He only threw four touchdowns in those three games. Uh, never cracked 300 yards. Last week, of course, the 400 yards and three touchdowns. But now he's hurt the knee a little bit more again. He has to go back to the heavy brace. And Scott, it doesn't look like that's bothering you at all. Yeah, you know, inside injuries alluding to that on the front cover of Roto Experts this morning. And those are all legitimate concerns. But at the same time, the matchup is so good that if Rodgers is healthy, he, he, he's a must start. I mean, this, this 49ers pass defense is, is just so awful. Just avoid Richard Sherman and have a party everywhere else. <laughs> Jim, would you? But you're, does so that you're lead not you worried to believe- about the mobility. Yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not worried about the mobility because I think like the first game after the injury he was still dancing around in the pocket. Jim, we can get to it during the Fair running enough, backs, I mean, but does that Rogers. lead you to believe that they may be running the ball more? I I, I it, it's a good point because Rodgers himself said he had a setback with the knee, but it was would that lead you to think that they could the run the ball more against the Niners? Yeah, no, I, I'm with Scott on this one. They just don't have a running game. Their best running back is hindered, hinders himself by not being able to protect Rodgers, especially with Rodgers already hurt. So, you know, Williams is in the game more often just because he can protect Rodgers better. So it's all really what can we do to protect Rodgers so he can throw the ball. So I'm with Scott on that one. I, I don't project any of these running backs to do much again this week. Uh, Jones is just isn't getting enough touches because of that. Uh, but I am a little worried about Rodgers getting back to those numbers he had in weeks two to four. I'm not saying don't start him, absolutely. I mean, he could do it any time. But when you add in the fact that you got Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb as game-time decisions on Monday night, uh, both you know could play or both couldn't play, I, I think that definitely comes into it as well. So, I, you know, I just think two – I mean, he could always put up a – you know, be the number two. He can. He just – is that kind of quarterback, but I think I, I just, 
I think I'd have him a little further down this week with the re-injuring of the knee. Okay, uh, let's keep going back to the rankings. We got Ben Ro- uh, Cam Newton at number nine, Ben Roethlisberger, who went 250 and three touchdowns with a pick last week at 10, and his counterpart in this game, Andy Dalton, or his adversary in this game is Andy Dalton uh, at number 11. And Andy Dalton has played good football this year. He's aims for his third in a row uh, versus Pittsburgh with two-plus touchdown passes, and his past seven at home, he's averaging 226 yards passing with 13 total touchdowns and three picks and 93 ratings. So uh, he's played well against Pittsburgh. These games are always a fist fight at, at the least and far worse than that, uh, as we've seen in the past. So uh, interesting game there, and you, got, you have the quarterbacks very tight. Then we go down to Phil Rivers. Deshaun Watson you have at number 13. Deshaun Watson was 33 of 44 for 375 with a touchdown and a pick last week, a 92 rating. He also rushed for 40, 40 yards. Jim, he's going for his fourth game in a row with 375 passing yards and his fifth in a row with 300 passing yards. He's the only player with 1,500 passing yards and 200 rushing yards in the first five games of the season, ever. So Deshaun Watson at number 13 against a Buffalo defense that might not have Tredavious White today. He might even be better in this number 13. Well, it does look, last I heard anyway, that White should play today. Um so, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how close to 100% he is. But, again, Watson is another quarterback that doesn't have a, a running game. Yeah. Lamar Miller is back but hasn't done anything. Uh, it's a good Alfred thing for fantasy Blue didn't owners. do much as a runner. Yeah, well, and that's it. That's what I'm getting to. He, Alfred Blue didn't do much on the ground last week, but he did definitely do helped out in the passing game. You got Kiki Kute there who's – basically being used as a running game through the short pass. They find all kinds of different ways to, to get him the ball um, you know, around that goal line and let him do what he does. So, you know, because of this, Watson is going to continue to throw a lot. Now, the chest injury is a little concerning. You hate that if, you know, he takes another shot to the chest, maybe he has problems breathing. That could limit him going forward, uh, at least his running style. I'm not sure if it does, but, you know, it's definitely a concern. Uh, with how much they were worried about him coming into the game. But at the same time, you know, this is a, a matchup that he should be able to exploit. Buffalo is good, but they're not that good, especially on the road. I bid a lot of money. Yeah, well, Buffalo, Buffalo, it, uh, you know, Daily Roto really likes the defense as a play today. We know how bad this offensive line is. And plus, uh, Watson's playing with the chest injury. This line gives up a lot of sacks, and Buffalo has a dozen sacks. Uh, Buffalo's defense, I think, is better than people give it credit for. And this could end up being a lower scoring game. To these guys' point, Deshaun Watson took the most hits in the league going into Week 5 with 42. He then took the most hits in the league again in Week 5. So he is well in front. I think Andrew Luck is second. He's well in front of the pace to take the most hits. The offensive line is a problem. He's just he's playing a little bit of – I mean, I give him credit. He's taking a beating out there, and he's playing a little bit of schoolyard ball, which Watson is actually good from the pocket, but – He's making things happen and doing the best he can for this team. I, I do think this team is a mess. I was surprised that people were um, had them as a playoff spot. I, I think they're easily behind Jacksonville and Tennessee as far as total team quality. And um, we'll see if Watson can survive the season. Honestly, it has to be a concern for anybody at this point. A guy with an a, a injury history of multiple ACL tears and taking the most hits in the league. 
is going to be a problem. Let, let me keep going through the rankings. You had Wentz at 14. Your guy, Russ Wilson, at 15. Wilson has 1,891 passing yards with 21 touchdowns and five picks for a 114 rating in his past six on the road versus the AFC. So he has performed well in these spots. But, Scott, your thoughts on Russell Wilson? He's he's probably fluctuated as much as any quarterback in the rankings from a week-to-week basis. I think it's been difficult to get a beat on exactly what you're going to get every week out of him. Yeah, he's he's got three, he's three touchdowns last week, but the passing yardage hasn't been there. Uh, hamstring injury has limited his rush running a little bit more as well, and the Seahawks are going back to be a running team first and foremost. You know they have they have the right now the uh, the least attempts in the NFL in terms of passing, and they've had three one hundred yard rushers in the last three games and face a 28th ranked run defense, which allowed about 450 plus yards uh, to opposing run, rushing yards, to opposing running backs so far. So this game sets up as another game where the Seahawks can bludgeon an opponent with the running game, but also the Raiders have given up, I think the fourth most, uh, you know, 20 uh, plus yard passes. So there's going to be play action. There's going to be some deep strikes. You got to like Tyler Lockett today. You know, Wilson, Wilson right now with the way the Seahawks are playing, is just not a top fourteen fantasy quarterback because of the game scripts they that they're laying out. Uh, I'll keep going, Jim, because I want you to comment a couple more guys. We got Baker Mayfield at sixteen, Derek Carr at seventeen, Eli was at eighteen. Case Keenum rounds it out. Sam Darnold, Blake Bortles. The interesting thing about Bortles is we often see this is a, a it's more of a DFS thing, but the handcuff to Blake to Leonard Fournette being out has been Blake Bortles at times and seeing them throw the ball a little bit more. Now, Yeldon has been banged up as well. Would you push Blake Bortles up the rankings a little bit against a Dallas? Look, they have a good pass rush, but I don't know if their pass defense is anything to write home about. But your thoughts maybe on Bortles being a little bit low here when he's performed fairly well this year for fantasy? Well, it really comes down to whether or not your fantasy league gives negative points for interceptions, as far as I'm concerned. If they do, then you have to be concerned. Uh, you know, this Dallas defense, like you say, they're they're pretty good. They're not great. They're middle of the road when it comes to opposing quarterbacks. They're 13th in the league. Um, you know, six touchdowns allowed, but only one interception taken. So, you know, it's... It's not like they can really do a ton of damage that way, but Bortles is always a concern that way. If you don't get negative points, and i got to love Bortles with Fournette out again, like you said, Yeldon uh, playing but not 100%. I think Bortles still still throws a lot in this game. I do think he makes a few mistakes. But, yeah, I think I would have him a few steps higher. Uh, but, you know, it, it at this point, when you get this low in the rankings, I mean, you're nitpicking over points, several points each for each of these guys. They're going to be such a, a strong cluster down here that, you know, trying to navigate each of those rankings is very tough. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't like Bortles at all today. I mean, this offensive line going against a very good Dallas defensive line, they've gotten to the point where they've, where they've signed Eric Flowers after he's cut, cut by the mm-hmm. Giants. They have some big corners there that are pretty good on the outside, you know, against not, not a scary receiving crew at all. So uh, just because Leonard Fournette isn't there doesn't mean Blake Bortles can get accomplished against a team that, like we've said, is like a basketball team. They slow it down. They play time of possession with the running game. And on defense, that defense is kind of underrated. So I don't like Bortles whatsoever. So, yeah, a few guys that you – because the, because Drew Brees and Matt Stafford are on by today, I wanted to dive a little bit deeper. Those guys are 100% owned and started in most leagues. 
but guys like Alex Smith, Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota that might be pivots. Scott doesn't like him at all this week. You can, as always, go to RotoExperts.com and the exclusive edge package for the rankings. We'll come back to talk running backs with Jim Scott and myself next on Fantasy Sports Today. It's the game day edition. We'll be right back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. We're back on FST Game Day Edition. John Angle going going old school today. I like it. Little Gary Newman here. You know why Sean's playing this, right? No. Because while everybody else is watching football, he's getting ready for the Talladega NASCAR race today. Don't forget to listen to the Father and Son Fantasy NASCAR Hour on demand with me and Sean if uh, you are playing fantasy racing. Look at that. Shameless plug. I love it. So I was watching a little bit of NASCAR with my son yesterday. He's he's five, and he's just enamored with the cars uh, racing around the track. So uh, I actually watched a little bit of that with him yesterday. But all they do is turn left. All they do is Uh, turn left. No, you didn't watch the race two weeks ago. They turned right at at, uh, Charlotte. (laughs) Oh really? But it's it, yeah, it's interesting that you say that though, Mike, because that's uh, how I became a NASCAR fan. When Sean was about that age, I started turning on NASCAR yeah. for him, and you know he loved it because of the cars and stuff like that. And yeah, that's yeah. how he became a fan, and I became a fan. Yeah, I'll I'll get him interested in what whatever uh, you know whatever sport I can watch with him. Uh, I'm in. He's uh, football's a little intense for a five year old. He thinks it's cool, but. Uh, you know, it's hard to keep a five-year-old's attention, period, let alone with an NFL football game that takes three and a half hours and there's 24 flags and all that kind of stuff. So, but I digress. Well, you so, definitely don't yeah. want, want to watch it. You don't want him watching the Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game today. That could get ugly <laughs> Absolutely fast. not. Absolutely I, I think not. Uh, Juju Smith has a uh, a big target on his back this week. I think you're absolutely yeah, but right. They'll be point scored. Don't have him watch Chicago-Miami. Yeah, or that, Tennessee Baltimore. It could be ugly. Yeah, that one that one's tough for me. That I need Mariota today because I'm stubborn and I didn't Ooh, pick up another ouch. QB. Um, you are in trouble. Uh, Breeze is my normal quarterback there, so I, I was stubborn and I stuck with Mariota just because I, I don't want to deal with dropping Mariota. I think still long-term Mariota has some value, but, uh, again, I'm just being stubborn there. So uh, schedule for the rest of the day today. We're here until 10 Eastern. Then I'm joined by uh, Corey Parson, the fantasy executive, as well as Gabe Morency. We'll do lineup lock live from 10 to 1. And then from one to four, Corey sticks around with Gabe and Chris Welsh comes in for live score and injury and performance updates every half an hour. Uh, they pass it over to Joe Galena and Cam Stewart, along with George Kurtz from four to eight. Uh, and then you two are back on from eight to ten. Fantasy Football Rewind with Scott Engel and Jim Day. I, I listened to that one uh, in recent weeks. It's fun. It's fun to get a recap. That game, the the Sunday night game, is going on while you guys are doing it. But still, you're you're just sort of rolling in all the updates. As much as you guys pay attention during the day, it gives everybody a chance to kind of settle in and see where their teams are at and how they performed on that day. Right, Scotty. 
Yep. So there you go. <laughs> it's a yeah. fun show. I can't, say, I can't add anything to that. <laughs> yeah. I can't add anything to that. Sorry. Yeah. I, I didn't set you up that well. So, um, you know. No, you covered it all. You, Thanks, it's man. actually the reverse. You did a nice job. Thanks, man. So uh, we yeah. right, let's go to the running back. So, by the way, you know, we will get to injuries. I, I should have mentioned that Deshaun Watson, because he's taken a million hits, ha- is dealing with a chest injury, but he's expected to start. So you should just know that. Uh, as well, as far as uh, running backs are concerned, we'll go to Scott's rankings, and we have to start. This is PPR rankings again. RotoExperts.com exclusive edge package. Start no surprise here. Starting it out with Todd Gurley at number one. Uh, going to Denver, we talked a little bit about the weather issues there. Neither of these guys all that concerned. Uh, plus. If it did snow a little bit harder, you figure they might be throwing the, they might be running the ball. And Todd Gurley has been extremely efficient. the The total of that game is fifty two right now. So Gurley comes into the number one spot. Melvin Gordon comes into the second spot with James Conner third. Zeke Elliott up against the Jaguars defense at number four. Chris McCaffrey at number five. Saquon at number six. I'd be surprised if anybody has a better day than him. But you never know, as Scott says. Uh, Kareem Hunt comes in at number seven. James White at number eight. That's very high for James White, as is Sony Michelle at number 10, with Joe Mixon in the middle at number nine. So you got all three running, both quarterbacks in the top three, all three running backs that are valuable in the top 10. And then we have Joe Mixon at number nine. Joe Mixon is a very popular DFS play uh, this week for folks just based on pricing and opportunity and everything else. So uh, I'll, I'll pause there, Jim, because I ripped off the top 10. It is pretty interesting now that as much as we've tried to avoid the Patriots running back situation over the years, we have finally seen a concentration of roles, and you can depend on these guys week in, week out. This happens to be a prime matchup against a weaker Kansas City defense, but it seems like we may regularly see these two as RB1s going forward. No, absolutely. And, it, you know, perfect compliment to each other. Michelle is the early down goal line back who grinds it out and, you know, it, it puts in big plays in the middle of that. And then you got White who could do a little bit of everything. You know, he's he's better than most pass-catching backs because you know you can run the ball with him as well. Uh, you know, and so he gives them that flexibility that, you know, a lot of pass-catching backs, once they're in the game, a lot of teams are looking for that pass. White could give you a little bit of everything. So, you know, really good compliment. You know, we're not dealing with four or five running backs like they usually like to do. We have two solid, you know, choices now from New England for the first time in years. And Scott, conversely, in that slugfest of a Steelers-Cincinnati game, you do expect that both running backs here are in the top 10 as well. So both quarterbacks are uh, QB1s, and both starting running backs are RB1s as well. So a slugfest, but it doesn't mean that they can't put points up at the same time. Right. You know, the running backs are going to be involved. Uh, but obviously, I, I love Connor. You know, I have him ranked at number three overall. Uh, you know, Cincinnati is 23rd ranked against the run, and he'll be able to catch passes out of the backfield as well. Whereas uh, Pittsburgh tends to be a little bit a little bit tougher against the run. They're they're 15th ranked. You know they do give up 105 yards per game, but they've only given up three rushing touchdowns. I don't know how much upside there is for Mixon, but again, you know with the with the high scoring game, look, Cincinnati is averaging 30 points a game. That's that's 
uh, 30.6 last year. They averaged 18.2. So they get in the red zone. Uh, you know, there's going to be opportunities for him to punch it in from short yardage. So, you know, Mixon's a must start. You know, what I did, uh, one of the things I didn't mention about the scheduling of the Hawks-Raiders game, which is at 1 o'clock, is that it is in London. So Oakland is the home team, but it's in London. And it brings our next guy up. Marshawn Lynch in London, Jim. It's an interesting situation. Lynch has actually played better. I would love to see Marshawn Lynch walk in the streets of London. I think that would be fun. I'm sure NFL Network or ESPN or somebody did a vignette on it. But nonetheless, we have Marshawn Lynch here who has played better of late. And he's a guy that you really can have in your starting lineups uh, every week as a starting running back, too, or as a flex play. Well, look... uh it wasn't until like halfway through the season last year where he really got going. But since week nine of last season, he's been one of the most productive running backs in the NFL. He's got yes. the second most rushing yards over that time. He's tied for fifth with the most rushing TDs with eight. He's third most rushing first down. So he's really been getting it done. Now I'm going to add a little something else. You know, this is one of those guys where I'm not really a huge believer in revenge games most often, but if there's a, a guy out there whose revenge game is one I want a piece of, that's Marshawn Lynch. Going back and playing Seattle after getting pushed out of Seattle, man, I, I love him today. I think he's just going to go out there and monster this game up, and we're going to see beast mode from start to finish in this one. I don't doubt that, Scott. Well, I don't thoughts. think he was pushed out. I think, I think he wanted to leave. You know, and that still makes it a revenge game. Uh, he's still very friendly with a lot of other guys on the side of the ball. Check out my my fantasy preview on Seahawks.com this morning of this game and, and others. And, you know, Bobby Wagner's already talking about what it's going to be like to face him. Uh, you know, Marshawn, I think, has some bad blood against the organization in some spots, but has a lot of a lot of friendly rivalry with the other guys. And he's going to get in the end zone. They're not going to throw it from the one-yard line this week. Uh, that's why I have him ranked as a top 10 running back this week. And, you know, the stat that uh, – that that Jim threw out about you know second in rushing yards since week nine of last season. Lynch is an excellent excellent play. You know the Seahawks, uh, you know without Cam Chancellor this year with KJ Wright being injured, they still have Bobby Wagner. But you know they've they're twenty eighth against the run, uh, allowing one hundred twenty nine rush yards per game. Football is a game that's heavily fueled on adrenaline and emotion, and it's going to be a lot for Marshawn today. So I absolutely love him today. It is interesting because of the guys that played with him. I heard you talking about this earlier this week, Scott, is that his teammates really love him. So any of the animosity that exists between Marshawn Lynch and the Seahawks is really fueled specifically by management and coaches. I don't think there's anybody on the team. Uh, well, that's a good point. Corey Parson gave me a, a note. It could be Russell Wilson, too. But I, I think the vast majority of his teammates, Scott, I heard you talking about it this week, really do like the guy, and it's no, it's certainly not hard feelings. It's not a Steelers-Bengals situation. They, they love him, but he's not part of the team anymore. What was that about Russell Wilson? I missed that. Corey was just saying that uh, Lynch may have some, maybe an adversarial relationship between Marshawn Lynch and yeah. Russell Wilson, or certain yeah, players. Yeah, I don't. I don't Wilson. see that. They played on. The, they played on the same side of the ball for years. 
Uh, you know, I know that some guys on the defensive side of the ball may feel that way, but I don't think Marshawn Lynch feels that way. If anything, yeah. he might want to stick it to Pete Carroll more than, yeah, than I, Russell Wilson. I think no, it's his Pete teammates thing, yeah. do love him. Yeah, and and uh, you know, either either way, there, you know, it's it's going to be a lot of adrenaline, a lot of emotion, and uh, you know, it, it calls for some drizzle. And twelve miles an hour winds. That's every so day, you know, these are the highest wind. Everybody's everybody's talking about you know the Denver game with the ten mile an hour winds. It's really not a concern if it's under fifteen miles an hour. If there's any game where the wind might be a little bit of a concern, it's that London game. Yeah, so it's a bit of football, especially when you add in you're, they're playing in a stadium that they don't really know. That you know is unfamiliar air currents, and believe me, that does play into it when you start adding wind in at all. If they're not familiar with the air currents in the stadium, that could definitely throw a little wrench into it as well. I actually want to stick with this game because you guys mentioned him before. Um, he is Lynch at eleven, uh, Yeldon twelve, Lindsey thirteen, but Chris Carson is at fourteen. Carson is the type of guy, Scott, where his draft status was rocketing up right before. It was all over the place in August. It was up, then it was down, then it was back up, and then he didn't perform. And I guarantee for a guy that now has two of his last three over 100 yards rushing, he probably got cut by people that drafted him. So you're back to, as you said, they're running the ball effective, or they're they're running the ball effectively, obviously, but they are also gearing themselves towards more of a run-heavy offense against, it seems, despite what were criticisms of the offensive line going to the season. Chris Carson has now become a guy that you can play. Yeah, he has. That's the one thing. The three three straight consecutive 100 rushing yard games and two of them by Carson. But the thing is, look, Carson's running very well. He's breaking tackles. He's gaining extra yardage after contact. But Carson has trouble staying healthy. You know, that's the thing. We've, yeah. are, we've already seen it in two years. He's already missed games this year. And Mike Davis is, a, is an excellent flex play. The Raiders have allowed a AFC high five rushing touchdowns. Davis has three rushing touchdowns in his last two, and he is the preferred goal line runner. So uh, he's my number 17 ranked overall running back, and I love him as a flex play. Yeah, the one thing I'd say about the Raiders, uh, Kelechi Osemele, their top guard, he's out. Uh, for today so does that hinder the running game a ton maybe not but it could conceivably have an impact uh so we'll keep going here jim Uh, i know you had notes on a couple of other players uh let's see as i keep going we got carlos hyde david johnson at 16 tevin coleman at 17 with Devontae freeman out don't you feel like that's a bit low jim yeah i i have him a little bit higher um you know Again, he, he hadn't been doing what we expected the previous weeks, but Freeman being out, I think, really gives him a nice touch this week against a Tampa Bay defense that, you know, is literally getting run on. Uh, you know, they, they, they're they better in some ways than other teams. They're only allowing 3.7 yards per carry, but they're giving a lot of uh, touchdowns up. They've given up six total touchdowns to running back positions, an average of 31.1 fantasy points uh per game to the position. So, yeah, I, I like Coleman in this one. I think even Ito Smith is a sneaky play in this. Uh, if he gets in the end zone, I think that really gives him value, especially uh, in DFS this week. Yeah, Ito Smith has had a shockingly high percentage. Of, low. Uh, hang on a sec, Scott. Ito Smith has had a, Sorry. Uh, a, a shockingly high percentage of, mar- of market share in the red zone. Ito Smith has. Uh, so, I'll throw it to you for that commentary on Coleman and Edo Smith in general. Look, 17 is incredibly low, 
but I can't have him higher because last time, uh, like like Jim alluded to, we were talking a few weeks ago against New Orleans, and we had a we had a high, a very high uh, implied total, and he had 15 carries for 33 yards yeah. and didn't do anything in the passing game. I worry with Tevin Coleman that he can't be anything more than a part-time back and stick him in a featured role, and he's just not capable. And again, Edo Smith is the guy getting those goal line touches when Freeman is out. And Tevin Coleman's playing for a huge contract conceivably here. I've talked about it for months. Yeah, you think he would play better, you know, against the Saints? Well, you know, with that, with that on the radar. I totally agree. Tevin Coleman is a guy that absolutely could score a significant free agent contract. I'm not saying he's going to get paid Todd Gurley money or Saquon Barkley money for a running back, but he's the type of guy that sets up well to be a starting running back on another team somewhere next year. Maybe even his own team, but it would be hard for them to release Freeman and eat a whole bunch of money for next year. It would be a big cap hit on a guy that isn't on your team at running back, which isn't a place where money is spent like that. So uh, let me let me kick it over to you for Bilal Powell. Jim, I know you had a couple of thoughts on Bilal Powell. The Isaiah Crowell. Uh, Isaiah Crowell, what is his status for the game? And then tell me about uh, Powell. Well, he's still listed as questionable. They expect him to play, but he is definitely beat up. Look, the fact of the matter is P- Powell is still getting more snaps, more tar- touches than Crowell is. Crowell just had a monster game, hit those two big plays, uh, really put him over the top. But quietly, Palau- Powell almost had 100 yards himself rushing the ball. I expect him to do a lot more damage this week against Indianapolis, uh, who is having a hard time against the run. You know, 24th in the league, giving up uh, almost 40 passes to running backs so far, 330 yards through the air to running backs on the season. I expect expect Powell to get a big part of that. I really like him as part of the the running game, uh, the passing game. Damn, I can't talk today. Sorry. Uh, the passing game this week, especially with Quincy and Nunwa being hurt, uh, having that bad hand, as we saw last week, really affected his catching radius. I think they get Powell involved in those short passes and use him in that position. I really love him today. A lot of guys I would love to give notes on. I'll, I'll tell you that LaShawn McCoy at 20 is kind of interesting to me. I know it's been disappointing, but he's interesting to me against Houston today. Naeem Hines, Scott has said 21. He's become a guy that can really be a reliable flex play in PPR leagues. Tariq Cohen at 24. The Alex Collins, Buck Allen thing rages on. And then Jordan Howard. I just wonder if this is finally the game for him, Scott. I just wonder. I I see a low-scoring game and it not happening. If anything... Receiving backs against uh, the linebackers there in Miami, the way to go. I like Tariq Cohen better. Jim, five seconds. Any love for Lat Murray if Dalvin Cook is out? Uh, it looks like Kirk, uh, Cook is going to go. They're saying he's going to be on a limited snap count again. The and worst because news ever of that, for I think it killed, yeah, it killed we'll be, both. We'll them. be back to talk.